Hello, beautiful people. I am Giovanna, welcoming you to a new episode of the Good Girl, Great Guy podcast. Today, our guest is Liz Mary, and she has a beautiful testimony on God and new beginnings. My prayer is that as you listen to her story, you will gain hope and wisdom and a new perspective on life. God, we give you permission to move. This is the Good Girl, Great God podcast. Thank you so much for listening. So I'm Liz Mary. That's one word, okay? Not two separate words. I'm originally from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Grew up there, but then at 18, I moved to South Carolina. And I've been here since. I have an 18-year-old son. I have a seven-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. And actually, next week is my nine-year anniversary to my husband. So I do have a husband too. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. Was in the medical field for 15 plus years. And then decide, well, he decided, the Lord decided last year that it was time to take a break from that and just doing real estate and, you know, enjoying the kids. So Liz Mary, tell us about how you got introduced to God. What was your first introduction to the Lord and who was there and what did that look like for you? So for me, I didn't really grow up in church. From what I understand, my mom had us studying Jehovah Witness when we were younger, but God has always been in our family, just not in a household where we went to church or we had a church home. But I feel like he has always been there with me because I remember on my 16th birthday in my culture, we, you know, I have a sweet 16, it's huge. And I remember the MC saying, you know, she's going to move to Columbia, South Carolina. I always knew I was going to move to Columbia, South Carolina because I had an aunt and uncle that lived here, which is my grandmother's sister. And they were into church. So I was like, I'm going to move to Columbia, South Carolina. And I just had this feeling that's what God wants me to do. And I'm going to give my life to the Lord. It was kind of weird. And so when I moved here, I moved here a month after I graduated high school. And I remember she took me to a church and it was called River of Life, Pastor Schneider. It was amazing. And I remember coming, I don't know if it was the first or second service. I came home, went to sleep and I woke up and I, I was telling my aunt, I had this weird dream. And she was like, what? And I was like, I had this dream. God was drowning me. And I don't understand why he was drowning me in water that didn't make sense. And why did he want me to die? And so she's over here smiling and laughing. And I'm like, that's not normal, you know? And she was like, Liz, that's baptism. He wants you to die to your old self and come up and be a new creation in him. And I was like, shut up. He talked to me in my dream, gave me the visual of drowning me. God was like, I need to get all of everything you've done in the last 18 years out. He drowned me. He didn't dip me. He drowned me in my dream. And so that's where I was like, okay. And then the following week, I remember I got saved and that's kind of where it started from for myself. And so how was that moving to Columbia from Pennsylvania? I know that was probably a big culture shock. And how did you see God in that transition? For me, it was definitely a culture shock. My parents, they were not necessarily strict. They were, but they weren't. So I didn't have a curfew. I was doing everything that you probably shouldn't be doing. At 13, I was going to Thirsty Thursdays with fake IDs. I've been clubbing since I was young. We were throwing parties, house parties, and all that kind of stuff. And so coming to South Carolina, I knew that they served God. And I knew that was the way that it was. So going from no curfew to you got to come in at nine, 
and I'm 18, hey, I'm going to explore the world. I step on the couch. I didn't have a room yet or anything. So it was very different. But because I really felt like God was just calling me here because I always knew, have your fun now because you're going to move to South Carolina when you turn 18 and you're going to follow God. And so I don't think I knew it just like that when I was that age, but I just had this drawing to it. And so South Carolina came, the trees look greener, the sky looks bluer, and it was like, okay, that's over. And so I feel like God protected me, obviously, because <laughs> I could have been in a worse situation on my journey here, but that's pretty much how it happened. And what has that transformation look like for you? What does that transition look like? Who would you say you are before versus who you are now? What's so interesting because there's levels to this, right? That age, I was 18 years old. I didn't know anything about life, let alone God. And I remember six months after I lived here, I called up my cousin who used to be my road dog in Pennsylvania that we were partying. I'm like, you got to come down here. We got our apartment. But I still was walking with God and had that, you know, that new Christian crazy faith type of thing. And so I was starting, I started tithing and I started seeing God move. And it was good that my cousin, she got on board and then we got introduced to five points. Okay. <laughs> and we were by this time, 19 years old, 10 hours away from our family. So we go to five points on Friday, watch golden girls and stay in on Saturday. So we go to church on Sunday. But I kept on walking. I was doing my own journaling, but my roots weren't dug deep. Then I stopped going to church. And then that's when I met my son's father and kind of walked that walk, ended up getting pregnant. And I remember my son was three years old and I was crying in my apartment, this feeling of missing God. I just missed him. And my son looks at me and he grabs me by the face and he's like, mommy, it's going to be okay. And so at that point, I was just like, okay, Liz, you need to get it together. Your three-year-old should not bear that burden of saying, mommy, it's going to be okay. When you know you miss God, you know you miss him. And so you know, I met another church and I started going to this other church and it had more of a, my age range. And so kind of got sold out on that, had been hurt from my son's father so I was at a different place. When I first got saved, I don't feel like I had low self-esteem. I still felt like I could conquer the world. But that testimony, I guess, with, you know, getting pregnant and trying to make it work with him, I realized that now I didn't have that self-esteem anymore. And so I just ran to God. I was just like, I don't want any of that anymore, right? So I dove right in dove right in into God, was doing everything, you know, serving. I wanted to be accepted again because I have felt like we had our issues and he's not a bad guy, but we just were young and dumb. We tried and it just, we hurt each other. So when I was doing that, I still was looking for acceptance. So here I am I'm going to church. I'm reading my word. I'm going to the discipleship classes, serving. So I'm getting my acceptance by what I'm doing. So even though I know I don't want to be the Liz over there who was clubbing. I know I didn't want that, so I'm going to go this way. But I didn't go this way in a healthy way. I went this way in a way of if the people at church thought I was doing good, then I was good. I'm okay. And it took several years. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not like he didn't grow me. 
because he grew me in those seasons and I learned a lot. I felt like I matured in walking in excellence and my personality came out more. You know, I was praying for people in Walmart. I mean, we, I was just all out there, but I was looking for acceptance and approval from the people in the church and not from God. So that was that layer. And then I had some hurt, some things happened and I realized and you showed me that you never came to me to get my, not even approval, but to realize you don't need approval. Because sometimes what happens is, is when people hurt us, especially when people say, oh, church people are this, church people are that, but you never take responsibility for what you did. And I had to realize that people are human. And if something didn't feel right in my gut, which I feel was God speaking to me, that's my fault that I choose to believe that the sky was purple when it really was blue. But I wanted that acceptance so much. So I learned from that, that I need this relationship with God. And, you know, I was kind of healing, learned about grace. And then I got introduced to Forward City. And that's where I feel like I really have grown in knowing who I am with God. God is my father. Like I got my voice back, trusting my gut again, because I was so upset with myself. How'd you allow your son's father to cheat on you? How'd you allow people to hurt you that were supposed to love you? You're so dumb, like, hello, didn't you see it? I say all this to say is there's just so many layers. And I look back and you know how they say he's rewriting your history, like the songs now, right now. I feel that it's not that he's necessarily rewriting my story because my story is my story, but I finally feel like the scales are being removed and my perspective on my journey has changed. I had to go through certain things so that I can build up who God has called me to be in the future. So right now I'm just in a good place in the sense of God just, I really want to get to know you as my father. And I just want him to love me so freaking much that I, anything out, like love everything out of me. Okay. And that everything else is just becomes secondary and not because I feel empty, but because I am good. And he did have a plan for me and I wasn't dumb. I wouldn't be who I am or made some decisions today if I didn't learn from those mistakes I made from the past. I don't know if that's what you asked me, but that's been my journey in a short way of saying that. No, that was great. And I think that's so important because I think that people think about their walk of Christianity. They think it's just straight up and it's not. It is... <laughs> zigzag yes. you go you, you go three steps forward you go two steps back you go five steps forward it's the consistent process of unlearning and relearning and learning new and unlearning again and not even knowing oh I thought I had this pack nope gotta go back to that it's it's so not linear and so yes. I appreciate you sharing that because I do think especially for non-believers they come to Christ and Thompson thing it's always going to just be oh you know and no God is be, he wants you to become like him so everything that was before stuff you didn't even think was wrong per se it, if it's not his way for you then he he cleans all of that stuff up and that can look crazy sometimes you know <laughs> like for lack of a better word yes. so I love it, that it really taught me that I cannot allow a situation or even a person to dictate or define my relationship with God whether I'm on a high and doing everything right, or whether I messed up, none of those should define my relationship with him because he's constant and he's consistent or even people, people shouldn't define my relationship with God because they're not God. 
So I can't judge God because somebody just, you know what I mean? What you would think was supposed to make better decisions. But. Yeah, man is not like God. So just because yeah. people hurt you, it doesn't mean God was out to get you. It doesn't mean yeah. God's not good. It's just, we have free will. And just like we have the free will to hurt somebody, somebody has the free will to hurt us. And I think that's important too, because this man, God, why did you let this happen? And he like, yeah. you know, the same way I let you do, the same way I let you step on somebody's shoes, I let somebody step on your shoes. I want you to come to me, but I'm not going to force my way. Like in scripture, love does not force his own way. God is not forcing himself on us. And that's universal. So I want you to talk a little bit about what's your love story. Tell us about your wonderful story with your wonderful husband and how you got from a situation with your son's father that didn't work out to the beautiful marriage that you have now. Kind of like your second act in love. (laughs) Yes, yes. That is one of my favorites. So like I said earlier, I got pregnant earlier, I had my son's father. And then when I started going to church, the second church I started to go to, I remember seeing him. He was that guy on the stage and getting all the singles together. And I heard God say, that's your husband. But I came in, I had a two-year-old. The other thing is, is I have two sisters that are twins, right? Beautiful, beautiful girls. We're two years apart. And they're single. They didn't have kids. And why would somebody want to look at me when you have these perfect candidates here that don't have kids? So we were just friends and that's it. And then literally just became best friends. Let me tell you, with my son's father, we were intimate with each other. We kissed, we did all that or whatever. Whereas this relationship, it was just conversation, stimulating each other's minds. It was, what are your dreams? What is this? And it just peaked so many different things that physical touch couldn't do that I didn't know was possible. And my husband, he was actually a virgin. And he had always said he never wanted to be with a girl with a, with a child. That was always his inner vow or whatever. But God, right? And so God had a purpose. And I remember even when I started to get on fire with God, I remember dropping my son off and I messed up. Like I became intimate with my son's father and I was crushed. I was just completely crushed because Liz, you're on fire. God, there's other women out there that are hearing you, but it's what I needed because that was my day that I, I, my email is purity LS. That's when I was like, no, I'm going to live a pure life. And I'm just going to keep declaring this over my life. And I ended up seven years of being celibate, but with Tommy, we just, we're friends. We became friends and he's so romantic, really, really romantic and awesome. So I'm just his friend thinking we're just cool because he's not really acting like, you know, and then, you know, in the church world, it is, but it isn't, if that makes sense. And it was new for me. So one day he's like, meet me. It was this restaurant in Sand Hills. He's like, meet me up there. So I go up there and he just has this huge basket of all my favorite goodies a big, I, I want to say it was a bouquet of flowers. And he basically told me he wanted to court me for marriage. And he got me a ring and it said vow purity. And so he was saying, you didn't want to kiss me to the day we got married. And the intimate, and I was just like, so you like me too? Like, I didn't play, I didn't tell him that, but I was just like, oh, I thought we were just cool, you know, type of thing. But So it started there and we started dating. It was very different. We never were alone. We just kind of grew our friendship and we ended up breaking up a year and a half in. I started to get sick and just different things was happening. And we just 
whatever the surroundings around us felt like it was better for us to split. Okay, I've been cheated on before. So I knew how to deal with the breakup when somebody cheated on me. I have never, I never knew how to deal with a breakup where we never, he didn't cheat on me. He didn't call me out my name. It was just, we knew we had character things about each other that it just wasn't gonna work. We just weren't there. So that was like such a hard breakup, not to mention, we still went to the same church. It was a small church, had the same friends. Do you know that I did not, I would walk in a room and I would not even look at him, okay? Singles all together and I would say hi to everybody else in the room, but him. But I needed to, right? Because I needed to get over him. We broke up for two years, saw him every day. Then girls would come be like, hey, well, you know, what's up with him? And I'd be like, yeah, he's, you know, he's eligible or whatever. He's single and that would hurt. But it wasn't until I finally was like, okay, God, I'm ready to move on. And then this joker calls me out the blue, okay? And he's like, meet me up at San Jose at the Mexican restaurant. I'm like, nervous, but I'm like, okay. But at this point, I'm ready, ready to move on. And he writes me this love letter, just saying that he knows he wants to be with me and this, this, and that. So we start being friends again. And then a time a good friend of ours it's like, y'all don't need to be friends. Y'all know y'all want to be together. Y'all need to get back together and let's keep it moving. So then about a year later, he proposed and we ended up getting married in 2012. And by this time we started, he told me I want to court me in 2006. So it's six years later. We never kissed. We were never alone in a, in a place by ourselves. 2012, <laughs> we get married. Girl, we had a breakfast wedding. Because we wanted everybody out by two o'clock because we were just like, to the point, like, come on, you know what I mean? So we had a breakfast wedding by two o'clock. Everybody was on their way and we were on our honeymoon. It's a beautiful, amazing story in the sense that God, even though I started out a certain way and I didn't think I was worthy of a guy who had so much integrity that he was 35 years old and still had an slept with somebody why would he give me somebody like that somebody who loved my son at the time obviously he needed to have that relationship with him prior and was just a good guy just a really good guy and so yeah now we got married and it's just been a whole other testimony on that side because marriage is not easy you think that you get the prince and then you realize marriages work but what i love about him is He's willing to do the work because sometimes one person's willing to do the work and the other person's not but he's willing to put his work boots on just like i'm willing to put my work boots on and so we have a a beautiful marriage where we're growing 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 i love that i always love that story and it's like such a redemptive story and just how god is so faithful and so what was that interim time for you like because you ever seen that meme where it's, it's a little girl and it's jesus and then the big teddy bear is behind his back and he's like give me the little teddy bear she like mm, i don't want to give you that little teddy bear yeah. but i was watching a podcast and it was like nobody talks about the interim when jesus has the big bear and a little teddy bear you don't have nothing yeah. <laughs> wait yeah. guys i feel like i got played so how did you get through that season where it felt like god had all the teddy bears and you had no teddy bear no teddy bears so one was, even though it was me and my son, the house that I lived in had a bunch of roommates. 
like it was my, my sister and then two other girls that we had met. So having them, good group of young singles that we would hang with, the guys that I, that I were around, they were just genuinely good guys. They, they would take my son, you know, my son's father, he got locked up when my son was four. And he, he's going to be in a very long time. And these guys would take him to the barbershop, take him to the donuts with dads or whatever. So I was just surrounded by a lot of good people. And so that helped with it. But then also, I know it sounds crazy, but I had my such so many intimate moments with God because it's not that I, I've been with somebody. I knew what I was missing. And I just remember there would be a lot of nights where I would cry out to God to just satisfy whatever I needed. And then I remember staying busy in the things of God. Like I said, we would go to Walmart, pray for people. We would go to Finley Park, pray for people. You know, I was able to get my own house. I just focused on me. And at the time I had this list, right? I had this big 14 by 17 cardboard and I had everything I wanted in a guy. I was specific. When I tell you I was specific, I was very specific, okay? And I would just declare that. I was an x-ray tech at the time. So I had it hanging in my dark room. And I, when I'll be waiting on an x-ray, I would just be declaring what I wanted in a guy. And that gave me hope. And I, I knew I didn't want to go back to not necessarily my son's father, but that life. So I had no choice. And I feel like I had, because I felt I wasn't worthy, it made me want to just follow God even more because I'm like, God, you're going to have to do it because who's going to want to take a girl with a kid and let alone with a son's father who's may look crazy. And I just really just became busy. Hindsight, looking back at probably the busy wasn't all good, but it kept me where I needed to be. <laughs> and so what advice would you have for any women that are trying to live a life of purity and trying not to go backwards, but find themselves, okay, God, I don't have no teddy bears. What's going on? What would you say to someone that experiences that? I would say I'm, it's hard. I know it's hard. There's nothing worse there's that thump, you feel that heartbeat down there. Like I've had those moments, but at the same time, I was really, I had my list that I, you know, I told you I had. So I was like, okay, why would God give me this great man? And I can't even do my own finances. You know, I want you to be organized. Are you, I wasn't organized. And I started to focus on each one for myself. And I try to become those things because I knew that if I didn't, then him, he was going to come. God's going to give you somebody. God has a great guy. Well, I'm a great girl, but a great girl who needs to be, stop being immature. A great girl who needs to stop spending her mortgage money. So I really just focused on that. I just had to take my focus off of it. And then those really hard nights, I just had my, I, I had a bunch of other single girls that we would just hang out and just have a good time together. That was huge. We would do crazy stuff. I like just, random stupid stuff you know to have fun and at the same time I had a son too my son literally never saw us alone to the point that when we got married he was not used to him being in the house and my door closed that it affected him he was like why are you guys closing the door and at that time social media wasn't that big Facebook had my space was out. So it's not like here where you have IG and you know, Twitter, you have all these things that people are just constantly, you know, you could be at home trying to be good 
Whereas me, it was just not going out as much. I'm not saying that I'm that old, but you know what I mean. <laughs> You're not old, Liz. You look good, girl. You're not old. You're still young and fine. <laughs> don't, don't give up on what you want and don't settle. That's another thing, my standards. My standards went up because my standards were before, which is I needed a body who wanted to be a family because I didn't feel like, because my biological father rejected me. But then I was like, no, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to church. I'm paying my tithe. I got my own place. I got a job. And it's not that, oh, you got to come correct. You got to be perfect, but come on. And so it's so true. You attract what you're putting off. When you start putting the right guys come to you. And I believe God protected me too. Because he knows I was, I could, I could switch like that. So <laughs> you got to rely on him, on him. Put up all the borders, God. There's other things that I did, but I, I, it's not appropriate for the camera. But <laughs> my girls used to be like, Liz, stop. You really do. I'm like, hey, if, if, if I don't do that, I could slip up. So whatever it took. Sorry, I just had to tell you that. <laughs> No, I love it. I love it. So I know that you told this story before, but I wanted you to share here about you making God your son's father because your son's biological father was not around at certain times for different reasons. So can you tell us about what exactly that looked like in practicality and why you chose to do that and what effect you feel like it had on your son? Yes, yes, yes. So me and my son's father, I want to say when he was two is kind of when we split up. And that's when I became sold out on Jesus when he got locked up. Because when he was here, I would tell Jay that God was his dad and stuff like that. But it was went more at four when he got locked up. And I knew he wasn't going to be around till he came to be an adult. But I was like, God's our dad. God's your dad. You know, he's your father. And he'll be like, like, yeah, you can talk to him. He's always with you. You know, and I just, that's kind of how I said it. And he saw me just really going to church. It was standards that I told you I didn't was bring people around. He saw me going to church, praying for people at the time. We had, we called them life groups. I was leading other single moms. That was another thing. I had a lot of other single moms that I would be with that our kids would play together. And so I feel like he saw that. I don't, I can't tell you that I have a specific thing that I did other than I remember us, take me taking him to see him in, in jail. And we were at the table and he wanted to call my husband dad, but he told me he wanted to ask his father if he could do that. Because even though he was incarcerated, he's not a bad guy. I mean, he just got messed up and, and he, and I never kept him away and I don't ever say anything about him to my son that that's that he gave me the best thing in my life so I, I thank him and so I said okay you know I understand you want to say you know you want to ask daddy so he was like okay so we get to the table <laughs> and this little joker is like um I got three dads <laughs> I was like, what and my son's father he's a great guy but me he's like he didn't curse in front of him. He's like, what, the, what you mean you got me? And I was like, what you mean you got three fathers? And he, and that's when he said, I have, God is my dad. Like, you know, he looked at us like, my heart just was like, okay, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something right because I knew I started it because I didn't want him to ever feel like he didn't have a dad. You know, at the time, I didn't know if I was going to be in a relationship one day or not. And I didn't want him to not feel like, he was, you know, God, you know, he didn't have somebody. And so 
at that time he was asking his biological father if he could call Tommy dad. So he came up with his own thing. So God is his father. Tommy, which is my husband, is his dad. And then his biological father is daddy. And, you know, he came up with it on his own. No, none of us ever pressured it. But the feeling you get when your child can say that, it's like, you know, he's going to be okay. If I'm not going to be there, he's always going to know that God is his dad. And it was, it was amazing. I was thankful that God did what he did. And so that's pretty much that story. I love that story. I love it so much. And so how is your second act now? How is it now being a mom and you do have that support of being married and their dad being with you and showing them a healthy marriage, being in church and stuff. So what, well, even though you were in church before with your son, but being in church with your husband. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel is different about your second act with this? Okay. So I'm going to be completely honest. Okay. Being married If you don't know who you are in Christ, being married is going to bring that out. Okay. So let me explain what I mean. When it was just me and my son, I had something to prove, right? My validation came from the fact that I was working, that I was providing for him, that I was able to just do all that. Right. So here you come and I get married and I have a husband now. So I have to help me, right? He's helping me do all this. Well, my identity still wasn't solidified. So here I am and I'm like, wait, you know, what, what good am I then? What am I for? Because I always thought I would never be on my hands. Like I'm not washing the same fork five times a day. I'm a career woman, you know, I'm doing this type of thing. So now I'm in this marriage where I'm still trying to do the same thing as when I was single. As far as thinking providing was what I could do. But that's not what my family at this time needed. And then on the flip side, I was so exhausted from being mommy and daddy, disciplinary comforter that I'm like, hey, it's all yours. I got a husband now. You could do it. And my husband's like, "Uh, uh, uh, you're not my daughter. You're my wife. So we're doing this together. You're going to know what's going on in the budget. Because I'm like, take it. I'm so stressed. I'm done with it. So when we got married... In the beginning years, I saw everything I was not because we're opposite. So I couldn't go off of feeling good that I was supplying these things because I seen all the things that I wasn't. And I became more depressed and I started to take on his identity because my weaknesses irritated him, right? Naturally, we, we irritate each other and I lost who I was. So here I am losing my voice again. Because I think, oh, as long as you get Prince Charming, that's all that has to happen. And I can honestly say for the first seven to eight years, this just this last year, I had turned myself into him. So I'm bubbly, outspoken. That's kind of what he loved about me, free-spirited. I like to have fun. He makes sure we have the money to have fun. That type of personality. And it was hard. It was really, really hard. And, and I felt more helpless with the kids Then when I was a single parent and he's like, but she used to do this alone. What is wrong with you? Now, mind you, I had the kids back to back. So I felt like I was pregnant for three years, but I felt so helpless. Yet I had somebody there who's amazing. My husband's not just a husband. My husband can cook. My husband can clean better than me. He does laundry. He takes care of the kids. He does 
I'm like, what the heck do you need a wife for? Like, you do everything, dude. So I say all that to say that when I got into a marriage in this new second act, it it grew me to really find my identity in God because I had given my identity up because I still wasn't sure in who I was. But despite all the craziness of me in my head, it's amazing. I get to be home. No, we, me, my son, he didn't have health coverage. I mean, we didn't, I didn't even have money for food when I was raising Jay. I would do a budget with the guy at church, which was my husband. He'd be like, you don't budget for food. I was like, I don't got enough money for food. I, God supplies food. We have the, we have the life group and they all bring food and we eat that, you know, and we're, and we're good. And he'd just be like, and I'm like, I just don't. But now I've been home. I didn't have that opportunity before. I get to enjoy the kids, take them to school, bring them back, pick them up, do those types of things. So it's, it's just, it's completely different. But I will say, be careful what you pray for. Be ready for what you pray for because I wanted to be an at-home mom. And then when the opportunity arrives, I was mad at God. I was angry. Why would you make me be at home? Well, girl, you prayed for this like three years ago. Like, what you mean? And I'm like, yeah, but I was doing good. I was touching lives. You know, I was. And so it's like, be careful for what you want and make sure that you're ready for it. And I'm thankful again that my husband is willing to do the work and he's willing to go to counseling and he allows me the room to figure out who I am. So it's, it's so dope to have a helpmate like that because it's not, it, it's not easy. It's not perfect, but it's all love. And my kids know that we may disagree and we may get into arguments. To me, it's an argument to my husband. Like, it's not an argument, but I'm just very passionate in the way I talk. That's what I say. But they know at the end of the day, we're going to come up with a resolution and we're going to say sorry. And we're going to keep moving forward with it. So this second act is, God, I see the sacrifice when those moments, like we talked about earlier, that in between time, it was so worth the sacrifice because now I have everything somebody would think, girl, what are you complaining about? I hope I answered that question. No, you did. I think that's amazing. I just really appreciate your candor because we do think once you get the man, everything is going to be perfect. You're not going to have any issues, especially if you have had somebody that just was not for you. And then you finally do meet somebody. He's amazing. It's like, oh, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And that's the thing about relationships, too, is they do expose things in you that you probably won't see on your own because there's nobody to challenge anything that you're doing. Exactly. Of course, I'm great. I'm the only person I got to yeah. answer to. And I'm, I'm great. I'm answering to myself. Myself said, I'm great. <laughs> yep. So yep. Yep. I think that's being a single woman, especially for as long as you were single, you just get into a routine of not having to answer to anyone and not having to ask for anything and just kind of doing your own thing. And when you do get married, you have to die to self. Just like when you meet Christ, when you're in the world, you're used to, I don't have to talk to God about anything. I don't have to ask God anything. Yeah. I'm, I just talk to myself. And then with marriage, it's another love. Now I got to talk to God and I got to talk to somebody else yes. though before I make yes. decisions. So I think that's super important. It's something that people don't really think about as much when they are asking and praying. So I'm really glad you shared that. What does transformation mean to you? Transformation for me, actually a church that I have went to, he used to say, Information plus application equals transformation. And all the hiccups, all the mistakes, all the falls was me getting information, right? 
this is not the right way to go, or this is the right way to go, or this is not who you want to be or who you want to be. And then taking the action to not make that same mistake again. Or if I do make the mistake, don't let the period be as long. And just kind of putting all those things into work, doing the work with what God says. And then you're not trying to transform. It just happens. Because when you get this knowledge and this wisdom and you understand, I love to teach because I like people to understand why they do what they do. And so that's where that information for me comes. And then you start changing little by little. And then before you know it, you're just this butterfly and just like, wow, I got all these beautiful colors on me and stuff. So that's what transformation is to me is just taking what you've learned and putting it into action and then letting God do the rest. I love that. I think that's such a easy to remember applicable thing. Information plus application equals transformation. That's really good. And so I know we already talked about what changes and stuff you made, but if you could describe old Liz in three words and then describe new Liz in three words, what has that transformation looked like for you specifically? Yes. Insecure, very insecure, angry, very angry, and wanting acceptance that was yeah I was very insecure wanted to be accepted and I was very angry from not feeling like I was accepted you know that would be the old again there's levels to it okay I don't know what decade you were talking about here okay but just in general (laughs) it all stems from anger and and rejection but the new Liz is Let's see. This is exciting. So because I'm hopeful, right? I'm optimistic. And I'm I'm ready to go. I know that's not one word. But it's like, let's just do it. I I I can't even explain it, but it's like I get it now, God. I get that I have to make decisions in my life. I get that I have to do that. But I get that I don't have to do it alone. I get that. You're my, God's my partner. Just like my husband's my partner. We're doing life together. God is my partner, right? So it's like, it's exciting because I believe it now. I really, really believe it when I, I, I ended up doing the permission room with Dr. Jackie. And that's when I learned, that's what I feel like I became a daughter. I always knew God as a provider, right? Because my, my, my father that raised me was a provider, but he had some things about him that made me scared. So I thought my God was like that, but now it's just like, let's go. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic and I'm ready to go. Let's just do it. What's the worst that can happen? It can't be anything worse than I already have been through. And I already know how it feels to be in the room, to be isolated, to be depressed, to be crying, to be eating. I know what that feels like. I don't, I don't want that anymore. I want to know how it feels to go from glory to glory and to just keep sharing with other women that you got, you got this girl. You look like me 10 years ago. So girl, you're going to do it. I know that was a whole bunch of words, but I wouldn't be me if I didn't give you all those words. <laughs> we love the words. We love all the words. No, that's amazing. And so how would you describe yourself as a mother? What kind of mother are you? And is it a difference in the mother that you are to your oldest son as it is to the mother that you are to your new babies? Yes. How am I as a mother? Well, I'm just going to tell you, you're so hard on yourself as a mom. You never feel like you're doing anything right. But I know that I am because there's those moments that I know that I am because I'm trying. 
But what people don't realize, my son's 18 right now. I've never been a mother to an 18 year old before. And, 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 they, and mother to a J, mother to a Kasaya at seven, even though I had a seven year old at one point, he's, it's, she's not J, you know, she's a completely different person. So it's like, I feel I can adjust. I feel a gift of mine in general is being empathetic. I am definitely the one that they know that if they ask 10 times, I'm eventually gonna say, go do it. That's not a strength, but they do know mom's a little crazy and wild and, and fun. But with Jay, with my son as a single mom, I, I had to be everything. I don't have to be everything now to them. I probably should be a little bit of each one, like a balance, but I, I'm just so thankful that I can love on my children. Being able to take your child to school and pick them up. I don't even want to cry right now, but Jay was like the first one. He was the last one to be picked up. Whereas I never could go in the, I didn't even know what a car rider line was because he was always in daycare afterwards. And just them getting in the car, so it's just so joyful. But Every day I feel like I'm doing wrong. Like I'm not getting it right. I'm going to be honest with you. That's just the way it is, especially according to your kids. You could have done, took them to Disney World and at eight o'clock they're in bed and they're like, oh, we're bored. I mean, it's just like anything, but I, I love my babies and, and I know that. It's so great watching you with them. They're so cute. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. Oh, I love it. What do you feel like the biggest lesson you learned from God is, or you've learned about God is? The biggest lesson I learned from God is that he is God. And let me explain that. He's everything. He's just everything. Right now, I'm in this season of finding my identity, their true self, right? So he's just like, your identity is in me. I'm your true identity. I love you so much. I just love you so much. And the more that you understand that I love you so much, the freer you're going to be, Liz Mary, the freer you're going to be to do and be whoever you want to be. And so for me, that is a big lesson to me because prior to these years, everybody else was God to me. And so the lesson is just that I speak to you. I speak directly to you. Yes, he uses sermons and he uses people speak to you but I speak to you at the end of the day and if you don't know or have that peace from me then trust it and I did it I allowed that inner gut of a woman of holy spirit speaking to you to be dictated that's why I said I learned never to allow my situation or people to dictate or define who he and I are together not even my husband you know seven years of trying to be who he wanted me to be. And so it's just exciting because God, you just, why are you so good? Why are you so sweet? Why are you so loving? Why? And he's just like, cause I am just, just get over it. So I feel like I've been doing and trying to do and try to perform for so long that now I realize I just got it who he created me to be whether I say the wrong things or I don't say the right things or somebody likes it or they don't like it. It's just like, I got you. I got you. So for me, that's where I'm at right now with my lesson with God is that he is God. He's everything. I love that. I love that. If you could tell your younger self one thing about God, what would it be? <laughs> if I could tell my younger self, oh God, you're so 
But about God, I would say he's the truth. Israel, God is God. God is not your father who left. God is not the father that raised you, the father that gave you life. He's not that person. He's not your mom. He's not any of those people. He's separate. It's just that that would be what I would tell myself so that I could eliminate all the striving to get approval from all these different people in my life. And I think that would have probably saved me a lot of heartache. And I think I would have moved differently if I knew that I should listen to God and not the people that I looked up to. How would you describe God to a stranger? If you met someone on the street and they were like, well, who is God? What would you say? How would you describe him? How would I describe him? That's a good question, girl. (laughs) Okay, so I would say God is who I need him to be in the moment. What do you need right now? Let's not even talk about God. What do you need right now? And just kind of understand where they are and then be like, well, that's what he is to you. He would fulfill that for me. I need this from God right now. So that's what he is to me. And that's probably how I would say it because I could sit here and say, he loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. I can say all of that, but what I need right now is I need somebody to provide because my lights are turned off. He's your provider. He's going to make a way for it to happen. I'm heartbroken because so-and-so left me. Even I remember when I was a single mom, that scripture about he's the father to the fathers or to the widow, he's the spouse of the widow. I stood on that. I'm not alone. I'm not a single mom. This is what I need from him, but I don't need him in this season that way. So that's what I would probably say to somebody. I would want to just keep talking to them to be able to really see who they need God to be. That's really good. So are there any specific scriptures that you really lean on or that you take to heart or you stand on throughout your life? Or is it a different scripture for a different season? And if it is, what's that scripture right now for you? Let's see. I don't have one specific scripture. It, It just depends. This year, I started this journal here. I've been journaling a lot. And every day that I get in his word, whatever that scripture is, I I write it in here, but I write it like I'm declaring it for myself. So there's so many scriptures in here. And when I read each day and I declare it, I start from the beginning. So I'm into two months of stuff, but I look at it and I'm like, wow, I was going through this at that time. So I did need him to tell me, don't expect everybody to understand the good about you and the bitterness about you. Don't expect that. And so ever since I started declaring that, I was like, okay, my husband's not going to understand everything. He doesn't know what I've been through. I don't know what you've been through. I can sympathize with you, but I don't know what you've been through for myself. And then it's the scripture. I want to say it's in second Peter. And it's just like, you listened to me before. I want you to keep listening to me. Keep making my word real and you'll see what's going to happen. And so it's just, you know, that's, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. It's so juicy. It's so, it's so amazing how one scripture can mean one thing today. And then freaking 10 years later, it's like, man, it's like so different, you know? So it's, it's, it's never gets boring, but yeah, I, I, I love my declaration journal. No, I love that too. And I love that you actually are consistently going back and reading. Cause I have 18,000 journals that I finished and I don't know what's in them journals. I ain't looked at them journals. <laughs> I probably do need to go back and look over because I have no idea what's in those journals. So it keeps your your mind on what he's done and what he's doing. So I really like that. Do you have any songs that you listen to or any worship music that you specifically like? Well, I would say this year royalty has completely changed my life. So my daughter, she was having trouble going to sleep. And Saya is 
she's a thinker, right? And then also at the same time, people don't realize, I didn't realize it with my son because he's different, but my daughter, whatever I'm going through, this girl deals with it 10 times worse. It's, it's kind of scary, right? So if I'm dealing with anger, I see it in her. If I have anxiety, I see it in her. If I'm real questioning, no, I don't trust, I see it in her. I didn't realize it in my son because it was a boy and it was, it was different. So anyway, she just was, would have this anxiety to sleep at night and to go to counseling, you know, just to kind of talk it out or whatever. And so God was just like play royalty for her at night. And I kid you not, we would lay in bed together. I would, you know, put her to sleep. We would sing it the first time. And then the second time she would go to sleep to it and not realizing it was just building me up and building her up. And then my son. So now their thing, they have their Alexas at night. And they're like, Alexa, play Tasha Cobb Leonard, you know? And so they're both listening to everything that she has. I mean, it's just everything Tasha right this year has just spoke volumes to us. Just knowing that I was special, I was telling you, I'm really learning my identity in him and as a daughter. So that song just represents you know, who I am, you know? I love that so much. And I really appreciate that because I don't think that we always think about how much we affect children or how much your parents can affect children. But then it makes me think too about how connected we are to God and why things that grieve the Holy Spirit grieve us. And when we see injustices, even if it's not happening to us personally, we can just take it on because we are connected. It's a spiritual connection that you have with your parents. And I just love how you're already teaching her how worship can solve her problems or how she can use that as a tool to help her, even though she might not at seven, might not really understand that when she gets older or if she does go through something, it's like, I can listen to Tasha Cobbs or whoever will be the next big, you know, whatever. (laughs) She can think about that. So I love that you went to God about it and he gave you that so that that's something you're building in her. So at such a young age, she'll already have some tools to cope with life because life happens. Yep. happens to everybody nobody's yep. exempt so right. that's really good so my next couple of questions are repeat and complete questions okay so how has knowing Jesus changed your life I feel like it's given me more of a life if I didn't know Jesus I wouldn't know that I could be this person or I could have this or I could touch somebody's life or that I can make a difference or that with him I can see certain people I love walking in his ways. If it wasn't for him, I would hate myself. I would be curled up, depressed in bed, crying. There was a period of time where I didn't want to look in the mirror. I couldn't look in the mirror because I didn't like what I saw. But with Jesus, I can do all that. It's just, that's what I mean by like, I wouldn't have a life if I didn't have Jesus. I wouldn't have a good life. I wouldn't have an abundant life. I wouldn't have a life that meant something that I was growing. I wouldn't be growing if I didn't have Jesus. And life is not fun when you're not grown. Who do you see yourself becoming? Who do you see yourself in 10 years and 15 years and 20 years? Who do you think you'll be then? I see myself becoming a woman who is, well, one, I'm going to be heavily into real estate. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm taking my broker class. And so I see myself being able to help people at a very highlight in their life. Because when I do real estate, I don't just show you a house. I show you that you can do this. This is a great moment for you. This is where you were, but look where you were. I see myself as a person who is helping other people grow 
not just spiritually, but practically in life. I see myself loving people in spite of and giving hope to other people because I can see myself walking with my head up high, confident in who I am, secure in who I am. I feel like this is where today is taking me because I'm putting the work in. I know my platform. I'm more of a one-on-one person. I'm not like a person out in front of a crowd, but I can, I can get you. We can do this. So I feel like that platform is going to be bigger than what it was the last 10 years because where I was shining at before, I feel like I touched a lot of people, a lot of young people. You know, I would have to hire somebody. I would hire who I would see the God in them. And it's like, yeah, but they can't do the job now. But it's like, yeah, but they got so much potential. I could really help her. She has unforgiveness and I need to be able to do that. But I see my platform being bigger in that area, inspiring people to want more inspiring people to know that even if you mess up, it's not the end of the world. I want to get to know this generation. I want to kind of be able to give them that wisdom, but in that love kind of way. I want to stop divorce in my family, financial issues and struggle. I just see us being able to cross out all those generational things that our family has passed on. We're going to have a successful marriage and we're not going to live paycheck to paycheck and we're going to be givers and we're going to be happy and we're not going to bust our butts for 50 years and then retire and only have 10 years to enjoy it. I want to travel more. I I want experiences. I can talk more. That actually, that question inspires me. It excites me because it's like, this is what all the sacrifice and obedience is for so that you can look back and be like, wow, God, you did this, you know? I always believe like he takes you from something to nothing to everything. And so it's like I'm walking into my everything, you know? I love that. And just watching you, I don't know where this insecure thing, because you are so confident. You're so hopeful. And that's just exciting because it shows what God can do. And if God can do it in your life, then he can do it in someone else's life. Yes. I think that's so encouraging and why telling our stories is so important because without that, You just think you're on an island by yourself. Nobody's ever gone through what I've been through. Nobody's ever did this. And that's not true. Nine times out of 10, you know, everything under the sun has already been done. So somebody has experienced something that you've experienced. So I love that. I just have a couple more questions. One thing I want people to know about God is blank. So to the unbeliever, it would be, I want you to know he's real. He's the truth. It's not a joke. It's not hype. It's real. And to the believer, I would want them to know that on your best days, he loves you. And on your worst days, he loves you as well. Nothing changes. The advice I would like to leave people with is blank. Trust the process. The process is your journey. The process is your life. The process is the path. The process is what you do every day. It's all part of the process. You know how you look back five years ago, I'm like, wow, that was the end of the world for me at that time. And now, heck, I wish I had that problem. Now it feels like this is the end of the world, but nothing lasts forever. Just trust the journey that you're on because it's taking you where you want to be, essentially. If he's the alpha and the omega, and he already knows what my end is, then obviously he knows that the path I'm on is going to take me there. Don't get so caught up in, I don't know what to do. Is that God's will for my life? Is this 
I'm like, if he never leaves me or forsakes me, then just make a decision. You you get so caught up and then you make a scared decision or you don't make any decision and you miss the, the ride. So just just riding with him. Just trust that. That's my best advice is to ride the ways with him. Just do it with him and know that no matter what situation comes up, whether it's a good situation or it's a bad situation, especially a bad one, like it's room for God to move. When something's not going right, it's like, it, it, now it took me some time to get here, right? I'm not just saying like, this is my whole life, okay? But this past Monday, my, my five-year-old left the water running, the bathroom upstairs, right? So anyways, we get home and we had stopped it prior to we had left, but we didn't know all the water had or anything. So anyways, my whole ceiling is like caved in. And it's like, whoo. But it's like, okay, God, you got to move, right? Now, mind you, that was this past Monday, the Monday before our transmission went. So that Friday, we had to get a new car. But it's like, it gives him room. When I can't do it, it's giving him room to move. But when I can do it, there's no room for him to move. I didn't understand that all those trials and tribulations was not for me to stress out. It was for me to be like, okay, tag, you're it. It's your turn to move because we got to get a new car. Or we got to get this. It's all part of the process. It's all part of the journey. It's all part of me getting to be able to tell that girl that she can make it. Like I have to be able to see these things for myself. So that would be my best advice. Have fun. Have fun fun in this life and I'm speaking to myself right now too <laughs> just just suck it up and just just have some fun no I love that the next to last question is so you're in a room right now and you see 21 year old Liz Mary and she has this baby on her hip and or her and her baby's father are not working out and she's in a different city and she's working and she's trying to figure out What's going on? What do you tell her? I would tell her, let it go. Let it go. It's okay. I mean, I love what my son's father gave me, okay? He gave me an amazing child, but that relationship doesn't define who you are as a human being, as a woman, or success or not success. Let it go. Just run. Be like, no, we don't have to try to make this work. This idea of, well, let's just, you know, we're going to try to make it work. Because it's not like me and him were in a long-term relationship before. It was just like, okay, you know? So that's what I would tell myself. Let him go. Let him be his father from afar. You are not defined by him. And the weight will come off, Liz. That's what I would tell myself. Don't worry, girl. You're not going to be this big. Give it a couple years and it will come off and you will be back into a smaller size. Definitely would tell myself that. No, I love that. That's amazing. And is there anything else that you would like to promote or share with the Good Girl, Great God audience? Anything else you would like to leave us with? I think I would say celebrate your highs, celebrate your lows, because when we overthink it, it takes us down a rabbit hole. And an only way to move on is to climb back out of that rabbit hole, which is just more work on yourself. So it's just really, really, really do whatever you can to understand who you are in Christ. For me, understanding God as my provider is great, but it wasn't until I understood that I was his daughter and that he loved me in spite of that gave me true freedom. Press into that. Press into that so hard. Even if that means you got to sit down from doing things, 
for a season or just keeping your mouth shut for a season, but just really get that so ingrained in your heart that can't nobody tell you anything differently because you know that you know that you know that your daddy got you. You know that you know that no matter what, he's gonna protect you. That you know that you know that no matter what, that even if I'm 39 years old, I can still lay on his chest and he can still call me baby girl. Like get that so ingrained and so permeated through your heart so that all those stones and those rocks that have been built up from so many years of disappointment and heartache can be out so that his love can just keep pouring through it. Think of water like trickling through rocks. Well, that's how his love is when you still have so much dirt and grime in there. So unforgiveness, insecurity, anger. It's like when you can just clean all that out, God can just really flow and you can be in the river. So that would be my, my advice right now because that's where I'm at right now. I love that. And my last question is, what does it mean to be a daughter of Christ to you? What does it mean to really be in Christ? And who is that to you practically? to be God's daughter? What does it mean to be God's daughter? I'm actually, you know, this is my first year accepting that I'm God's daughter, right? So it's all pretty fresh to me and new. And it's, it's knowing that in spite of me, I'm still loved. It's knowing that I can never do any wrong. Yeah, I can make mistakes, but I can never do anything wrong that would Cause him to stop loving you. Depending on how you grew up and how your parents were, some parents, if you don't do what they say, then they cut you off. And they may not keep you out the house, but they don't talk to you for a couple of days. Or they overly love you so much that they try to control you. With me being his daughter, every day is a different day with him because it just depends on what I need. And just when he talks to you and just just being a grown woman and just being called baby girl or my love. His new one is I'm his radiant one. And it's like, you just want to make daddy proud, but I don't feel like I have to do anything to make daddy proud anymore. I don't have to pass the test. The only thing I have to do is just love on him. That's all I have to do is just allow him to love on me. That's a big thing with being a daughter. You don't feel like you deserve to be loved. That was really hard. Our, our truth that I had to be like, yes, you do deserve to be loved, Liz Mary, you know, and I want to love you. And I have loved you, even though you didn't think you deserve to be loved. So that's what being a daughter in Christ to me is knowing that he loves me no matter what. And if I'm angry and if I'm mad, I can tell him, right? I can be real with him. He'll be like, okay, calm down. Or he'll be like, girl, you're right. She was wrong, but this is what you're going to do now. You're going to have to pray for her now. Just everything you wanted in your parents because my parents were great I had great parents but still I know I'm screwing my kids up somehow some way it's part of life right (laughs) I'm not God but God is that now and I can go to him for that and that's part of being his daughter that you know yeah well I thank you so much Liz Mary this has been amazing I feel like so many people are gonna get blessed you've definitely blessed me just listening to you thank you for your willingness to share your story and be so transparent about everything and I really feel like it's just it's gonna be amazing tell them your social so they can follow you on social media they can keep in touch with you (laughs) I don't know what it is 
something. You don't know your social? Well, give them your no, email, no, something. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Give them okay, so yes, I'm on IG, Purity LS. Okay, I'm all at Purity LS at yahoo.com, Purity LS217 at gmail.com, and Facebook, Twitter, Purity LS. That's my thing. Purity LS is stuck with me. Okay. Well, I thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, I'm Javana and I'm just a good girl who met a great guy and we'll see you next time.